0: So I usually start off these shows with a story or a picture to bring you to exactly where we are in the interview or where our guest is going to take you visually. And I gotta tell you, I can't do it. I can't do it in this interview because I'm bringing on David Levine and he's got so many stories, it's amazing. And he's so good at telling them. So I feel like I'd be doing him and this interview an Injustice if I started off with my own story, which won't even come close to how... And interesting and engaging, and I would even say captivating, his stories are. And he'll probably be the first to tell you that he's not all that interesting. Cracks me up right at the beginning, and he says, "Oh my gosh, this is boring already." But I can assure you, it is super interesting, and he brings so much value and so many interesting stories. And like I gotta tell you, like I feel like I'm there, and he just talks about them very casually. He works for Sony, that's one of his main jobs, but he really is in the running community at its core level, and he's been running for so long and coaching, and I'd imagine the running community, if you're in and around the LA area, you know who he is, you probably met him, and I haven't actually met him in person, I can't wait, but I gotta tell you, he's probably one of the nicest guys that I've ever come across after interviewing over 10 years, so I'm sure you're going to enjoy this interview, hopefully Almost as much as I have. This is Drew, and you're listening to the Transformations Through Running Podcast. Alright, just a quick word before we jump into the show about our detox programs. We've been running detoxes for years now. I wrote a book called Detoxify Yourself, which is a lifestyle detox. It talks about toxins we put in our body, on our body. Mental detoxes, at least at the time of this interview. It is January. It's Detox Month. Which doesn't mean you can't detox at other times or other parts of the year, but we believe in lifestyle detoxes, sustainable changes, looking at whole foods, what we're putting in our body, and of course what we're putting on our body. We also deal with mental detox as well and all that mind clutter and self-sabotage. There's a lot that we do, so we do have a book, my book called detoxify yourself you can find that at trueformlife.com we are also launching our own detox program which we do every few months so if you want to jump in on this one shoot us a message um, we're on social media check us out at facebook.com slash trueformlife you can shoot us a message there if you're interested in more details or you can head over to our website and find the contact us page again that's trueformlife.com we are doing a whole 10 days here for you we're going to be in the group dorothy and i live every single morning to help coach you inspire you get you going on the right direction the right track and also offer you ideas and what you need to do to detox properly so hope to see you inside that group if you're interested Welcome to another edition of Transformations Through Running. We have another guest all set and ready for you. Welcome to the show, David. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. I would love for you to take a minute to talk to our audience, let them know who you are and what you do, and anything else you'd like to share with us.
1: Great. Yeah, it's funny. I don't talk about myself very often, but here goes. Um, I'm a Level 2 certified coach with USA Track and Field. I'm a level two coach with USA Triathlon. Um, God, it sounds boring already. Um, I, I wrote, I wrote the, uh, co-wrote The Complete Idiot's Guide to Marathon Training, one of those Complete Idiot's guides books. I've been a uh, coach for um, LA Running Club. We have Wednesday Night Track program that I, I help organize. Um, USA Marathon Training, I'm, I'm their head coach every Saturday morning. We just had a run this morning. We're in Griffith Park. If anyone wants to join us, and South Bay Running Club, I'm on their board of directors, and I also coach profitly. I think that's about where I'm at.
0: So you do a little so bit good. in the running field, do you? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a, yeah, as crazy as it may seem, it's, it's it's a good hobby.
0: Yeah. Do you do anything that's not associated with running?
1: Uh, you know, I do. I actually have a full-time job, believe it or not. I, uh, I work for Sony, the studio here in Culver City.
0: Okay. Yeah, I've been there a lot of years. That seems like a big company. I think everyone has or had owned some type of Sony instrument before.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah my computer is saying Sony, and I'm looking at it right now. So, yeah, true.
0: What do you do with Sony?
1: Uh, I work in um, television sales planning. So I don't really sell anything, but we watch the numbers. And it has something to do with TV sets, the electronics division. Um, We take movies, Movies of the Week, and series. You can't see this. I'm actually counting on my fingers. Um, And we sell them to TV stations overseas and domestically.
0: Okay, well that's super interesting. I could ask you about four hundred questions on that topic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I probably have four hundred answers.
0: Okay. And, yeah. We'll it is
1: an amazing industry right now with what's happening on uh streaming video. But yeah. but yeah.
0: Yeah, so interesting. I would love to get into that in another conversation. Maybe we'll stick uh, to another, running.
1: <laughs> yeah, another another video.
0: Yeah. So, okay, so why don't you let us know, how did you get into running? What ignited this passion that also seems like a full-time job?
1: Well, you know, there were two times in my life where I I was motivated by running. Once in college where, and this is really sad, I I probably, I don't want to bring a whole down around to your your show, but um, a friend had committed suicide and I really didn't know how to deal with it as a, a, you know, a 20-year-old, 19-year-old kid. I guess I was 19 and uh, there was a track downstairs and I really didn't know what to do I just went downstairs and started running and uh, that was the first time I really did distance I mean I was somewhat athletic but that was the first time I ran like four miles and later this is at least a little more amusing uh, I was dating somebody who wanted to run the LA Marathon And so I thought, gee, well, you know, I I can run, you know. And she was doing six miles the next day, and I thought, damn, so I got on a treadmill, was maybe the worst run of my life. (laughs) I wanted to see if I could go six miles, because the next day, so I I did it. There was no TV set, there was nothing, it was just awful. I was looking at a a wall the whole time that was it, (laughs) for six miles. And the next day I ran out and um, pouring down rain, and it was a great run. I loved it. I went six miles.
0: So you did six miles back to back.
1: Back to back, and that was kind of where I began endurance. And I loved it. I mean, I was uh, I absolutely loved it.
0: And then, so yeah. from there, what is did you continue to run or? <clears throat> what did that um,
1: well, then she and I kind of broke up, and we went our separate ways. And um, yeah, I decided I was going to run the LA Marathon, and I got horribly ill like the day before the la marathon my first la my first marathon ever and i couldn't even get out of bed so the morning of the marathon i got up i thought you know damn it if i could just get to the shower i could wake myself up and i could get downtown and i can if i could just start i'm going to do this i don't care i'm going to do it so i got to the shower And I couldn't even stand up. I was just like lying like a beached whale, you know. (laughs) I finally made it back to bed, soaking wet and cold. I'm now cold and exhausted and I can barely stand up because I was so sick. And I woke up and I turned on the TV set and I watched the L.A. Marathon start. And I said, you know, I don't think I'm going to make this one. Three months later, I did the second ever rock and roll uh, San Diego, uh, marathon. And that, that was my first. And that was exciting as heck.
0: So how yeah. did, did, why did you sign up for the LA marathon? Was it like, I'm going to beat my girlfriend?
1: <laughs> uh, 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 you know, it was just hometown. I didn't have to go anywhere. It was like, you know, advertisements were everywhere. It just seemed like kind of the obvious thing to do. And San Diego really didn't know about rock and roll. it was, They had only done it one other time, so I really had no idea. You know, I was reminded this morning, um, So I I, I thought, you know, I'm going to get new shoes. And (laughs) I I showed up with these fairly new shoes, I'd broken them in a little bit, and they were really clean, I was really worried, I didn't want to get them dirty. And everybody back then wore white and black, that was it. There were no colors, nobody wore colors in 1998. And I showed up and I swear to God, everybody's shoes were just muddy and torn and bloody, and their feet were sticking out. And I thought, oh my God, I look so weird with these clean, white, new shoes. So (laughs) that was, yeah, but I did it, it was great, it was a lot of fun, I loved it.
0: So why did you sign up for that one? Because you didn't get a chance to run the LA?
1: I didn't do LA, and it was three months later, it was like the next one nearby that I could find. And it, it turned out to be a great experience. I'm glad I did it.
0: Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Toledo, Ohio.
0: Okay. And, um, I thought you were going to be one of the rare few that was from L.A. since you were here at such a young age.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. Um, my wife is from uh, L.A. She grew up in Santa Monica, basically. Oh, wow. And uh, she may I think she's the only one there, there's one, it's her. <laughs> <laughs> everybody else here, you know.
0: I, uh, Everyone else moved here.
1: I, everybody. Yeah, I first. I remember I coming out here, and there was a guy with a hammer downtown Skid Row. For some reason, I was driving through there, and he comes running up to my car. I thought, oh my God, I'm dead. He's got a hammer in his car, and I still have my car from Ohio. And he runs up to my car enthusiastically. says, You're from Ohio. I thought, oh my God! He just, you know, so, but yeah, he was there working on a on a, a building. And, oh, he and, was and, from
0: and, Ohio too.
1: He was from Ohio too. He just wanted to meet somebody else. So he's it was, it was very you
0: excited. Know, so
1: <laughs> everybody I met was from Ohio back then. Yeah.
0: So okay, so you then ran your first marathon in San Diego. What was that like? Tell us, walk us through that one.
1: Um. Well, you you know, the funny thing about rock and roll back then, there was only one. And the funny thing I do remember, except for the starting line with my brand new shoes, I do remember they had this giant banner. It was about mile, almost mile 21. And it said bright black letters on a red banner. It said, you are entering the wall. And I I thought, that's the worst sign I've ever seen on a marathon in my entire life. And they had it there for years. People kept telling me they saw it. And I ran it two years later, same banner, same spot. But um, what happened? It it was just, you know, a long, great run. I was just thrilled to be there.
0: So they were... They didn't really know about like positive affirmations or encouragement oh. at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As well said, I, "You suck. You're not gonna make it."
1: <laughs> yeah, <right>. yeah. <laughs> that was it. You know, it's like you were entering the wall. I was like, "Oh my god!" You
0: know. Okay. And sure
1: enough, yeah, we had like five miles plus to go.
0: Yeah, I right. was first. <laughs> So let's fast forward here. You're doing tons of things here in running. How did it progress over the years for you to continue to be involved in the running community and then all the way to doing everything you're doing today?
1: And being a coach and all that. You know, I, I, I got to say, I think I learned... I, I My path to being a coach started when I got injured, strangely enough. I've only been injured maybe twice in my life. And... Um, I, I got injured and I came back from it. I, I learned a lot from a guy named Robert Forrester, who works as physical therapist, who works with a lot of, of pro sprinters. Over the years, like 30, 40 years, guys gone to the Olympus with sprinters. Anyway, I came back and I was running with a local group that was affiliated with the LA Marathon for about 10 years. And people would ask me questions because I, I overcame this injury. And I kind of understood, for some bizarre reason, how to overcome injuries and how to deal with that kind of thing and what to do next. And Because I did that. I was there. I actually did the marathon six weeks after I could barely walk. So suddenly people were like wanting to know how the hell you did that. And my answer, truthfully, was it was very painful. But um, <laughs> uh, that really kind of set me on the road. Um, and one thing kind of fell in place after the other. I became a pace leader for the Roadrunners for nine years. I, somebody asked me um, if I would start coaching a track workout. And a year after I started coaching the track workout, I, um, they, they, we were getting a group together. We, a couple two friends of mine started something called the, the um, City of Angels Half Marathon which I was affiliated with. We went from Griffith Park to downtown L.A. And after like two years of this, we started our own training group in Griffith Park. And so I've been with that ever since. It's so uh, interesting. Yeah, one thing kind of led to a fed the other. And uh, and now it's all gone to hell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now you can't get out of it. It's too now, late for you. Yeah, I
1: can't. It's, it's, yeah. It's all hopeless.
0: So it says, you said you're a USA track and field coach. What does that
1: mean? Um, USA track and field, of course, is the signatory agency for the U.S. Olympic Committee that deals specifically with track and field. You know, so the people that go to the Olympics, they are, you know, they have all these different categories from marathon to 5K to 100 meter sprinters to pole vaulting, all those things. Fall under the category of USA Track and Field. And they do other things like uh, they, they sanction courses, they, they, they make them official distance, um, where they could possibly be Boston qualifiers. You know, that kind of thing they do. It's an organization that does an awful lot of things dealing with track and field.
0: And so, what and do you. And so, yeah. you specifically, so you're a coach for this organization?
1: Well, I became certified. Uh, I'm a level two of, level, of three levels. So it's basically, you know, I'm kind of certified to be like a college, semi-pro level coach right now. Level three, you're really pro-level, Olympic, national. You have to have coached somebody on the national level.
0: And then, so level three. what do you do coaching-wise now? Do you coach teams or individuals mm-hmm. or both?
1: Uh, both, Yeah. I, I can't handle too many private clients because it takes so much time and energy to do. To, to, you know, there's so many things to focus on as a coach and, and as an athlete. You know, you have to have dial in your nutrition during the race, before and after the race. You have to dial in. Really, sleep is a huge key factor. Um, stress levels, uh, and then there's this silly little thing called training. <laughs>
0: um, Endless hours.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. my my wife says, training, who does that, you know, (laughs) but um, yeah, and and you have to calculate all the percentages that go into a training plan, and then you recalculate all of them once you realize that either something is going wrong or not the way you want it, or maybe even just that person thinks they want to do better and do more. That happened to me recently. With it. I, 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 Tomorrow, I have a triathlete that I've been coaching doing an Ironman in Arizona. And that's really exciting and terrifying all at the same time. <laughs> um, I think I get more nervous and stressed out than the athletes that I coach on race day morning.
0: That's funny. But, I have a, a good friend of mine. He's a coach and we played college baseball together and he said i'm way more nervous as a coach than i ever was as a player
1: <laughs> oh hell yeah yeah there's great truth to that
0: so for you are you you do running yourself like you do specific types of training mm-hmm. are you working towards different marathons now or what kind of runs do you do personally well
1: I- you know i ran with my group this morning um it was a cutback week we only did like an hour 10 next week will be like two and a half hours of slow easy pace next week next saturday um midweek i'll do a couple runs. but i just signed up for um, a half ironman a 70.3 in santa rosa in um, may the ninth so that's my next big january i really i'm now training to get ready for training that's kind of where i'm at
0: <laughs> and then are you doing this on a regular basis or i mean are you doing these longer runs these it seems like 70s a bit more than a marathon oh
1: well <laughs> keep in mind 56 miles of it is biking so it's really only a half marathon
0: run oh so is it a tri what is it, is it triathlon tri- okay. yeah
1: triathlon
0: and then how long do you swim for
1: uh, 1.2 miles, a uh, 56-mile bike, and a 13.1 half marathon.
0: Wow. Okay. So what does uh, your training look like for that?
1: Do, do not ask what an Ironman consists of.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't want to know. Don't go there.
1: Yeah, yeah you don't want to know.
0: Have you done, uh, it? Have you done Ironman?
1: Uh, three times. Yeah, yeah, three of
0: them. And you'll yeah. never do another one?
1: No, you know, I'd love to do another one. I, you know, really, the last couple of years, the, the reason I signed up for this is the last couple of years, I really haven't done that much. And m- I feel like my training and my own um, endurance ability has kind of dropped. So, I thought, well, you know, I'll do one. And then we'll see. See how and, it goes. Yeah, I, I would love to go back and, and do another Ironman. But, you know, that's like 20 hours a week just for, you know, somebody non-pro. Per athletes triathlon, you know, training for Kona Ironman, you're talking like 40 hours a week. It, it is a full-time job if you want to go pro.
0: So You know, you say you would love to do another one, and we've had a number of, this is season two here, I remember very clearly interviewing Megan on a past show, and hers, the title was Struggling Through Hypothermia or, or something mm. like that, and she, was, she has a video of herself crying, and peeing and freezing (laughs) and I'm like I have so much respect for you those of you that put yourselves through this but I have to ask what is appealing about that why do you love this so much
1: well there are several things first I, I, I actually do love the training I love the swimming, the biking, the running the whole deal I do love all of that I love the feeling of being in great shape And there is the crossing the finish line as this you know there is no greater I don't care if it's a marathon a 5k a 10k there is no definitive goal that you can complete more so than a finish line you know I mean at your job in normal life no one ever can say, cross this line, I will give you a medal, I will give you a certificate that says you've completed this. There is nothing that will say, you've done it, more than a finish line. And that's always exciting at any distance. I don't care, I don't care who you are, what you're doing, a finish line is an amazing place to be.
0: And is that um, is that what you're thinking about when you're putting yourself and putting your body through such pain and discomfort <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: you know honestly it doesn't really get that painful because the bike you're just drinking and taking in nutrition and sounds
0: like you're going you through know. a um, bike ride down the strand <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> i think it's a bit different than that no
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah uh no it's well it's I, it, actually it's going to be beautiful out there in santa rosa the wine country and all of the fields and all that um but um it's, it's actually, you know, at my level, I'm not killing myself because I'm not trying to win my age group or any of that. But, um, oh, God knows what will happen. But, yeah, you know, I don't really think of the finish line. It's funny. I think, you know, I heard I, I've been listening to YouTube a lot lately. And I've been listening to pro athletes that do various different endurance athletic events. All of them say the same thing. When asked, what do you think about when you do an endurance event? you think, are you fearful about the competition? No, they're not fearful about the competition usually. Are you afraid you're not going to win again? No, they're not really afraid they're going to win again. What they think about is kind of what I think about is performance, is how can I do this and not just look great, but put in the best performance I could possibly do. So you're watching like, you know, revolutions per minute on the bike. You're listening to yourself, breathing your heart rate. Are you using too much glycogen too soon? Um you're taking in nutrition. Are you getting in enough calories, enough carbohydrate, enough uh, liquids, enough hydration, enough sodium, minerals? Is it too hot out? Am I sweating too much? That's uh, I, basically I'm a neurotic mess. But, <laughs> but that's that, that's what I think about.
0: It's that's the love of it. You love it, it, love it.
1: yeah, yeah. It's the love of it. Yeah, it's the performance.
0: So what would be a less than? So if you don't have that fear of winning or finishing, what is the fear of performance that you don't, you're not able to perform at the best of your ability?
1: Um, Yeah, or you screw up by going out too fast, which I've done. Um, You have no idea what it's like to start a full distance marathon, having hit the wall before you begin the marathon, you know, in an Ironman, I did that once. Um, never again. Um, yeah, uh, just screwing up, or you know, like your friend getting hypothermia in the ocean. I've done that once, and that is not fun.
0: Uh, Doesn't yeah. sound like it.
1: Yeah, I have a very old wetsuit, and it was leaking horribly. You know, and it's like not even wearing a wetsuit. You know, and it's freezing out there, and I'm numb, and I'm still going. I finished the swim. That was. I got halfway through the bike, and I was just shaking like a leaf.
0: <laughs> you couldn't steer um, your bike. You were shaking so much. <laughs>
1: I well, somebody pulled up with a truck and said, "You want to get in and get warm?" And after I got in the truck, I just I, that was it. I was I was pretty much done.
0: Do you think I, if you I didn't just, get in the truck, you would have kept going? No, no. I,
1: I I really was. Um, I had no energy left. I mean. When you have hypothermia, your energy is just gone. I mean, I had thrown up several times at this point. I won't go into it, but <laughs> it, was, it, it was really, it was ugly, you know, it was getting ugly.
0: <laughs> well, that leads me to a question I like to ask everyone on the show. And is yeah. there, if maybe it's this specific one, and I would like more details if it is, but something that you can take our listeners to at a place in time, a run that stands out to you that maybe was Hmm. the most challenging time that you were able to push through or maybe you you didn't and you learned a lot from that specific type of failure if you will, is there anything Hmm. that stands out where you can say I was able to
1: push through Um, well, two things come to mind, one was successful the other was, I guess they were both I finished, they were both kind of successful one was a PR though Um, was uh, Iron Man Wisconsin years ago several years ago and I I I went out too fast on the bike and I had a horrible headache I I was just I don't know what was my problem but I got to the finish of the bike and I was done I mean I was really done but I had and and this is a thing you need to have plan B I mean even for a marathon if you drop all your mineral pills you need to have like a, a drink or, a, or know where to get a gel or something. You have to have a plan B. So I had a plan B. And my plan B was even though I had no glycogen left, which comes from carbohydrate, right, it has gone. I had, when your heart rate is too high, of course, you use more glycogen. So if your heart rate is too high for too long, you can run out of glycogen, which is a limited reservoir for fuel. Pardon me. And you hit the wall. Because you're out of glycogen that's what it's all about so my heart was obviously too high too long on the bike so I started my marathon on my Ironman triathlon with nothing and but I had this peanut butter and honey sandwich and this shake that was like fruit juice and I don't even remember all the crap that I had in this shake <laughs> so I walked about a mile and a half out of transition on the bike Onto the run, and I was just eating and drinking like I was at a luncheonette or something. (laughs) And people were looking at me like, what the hell? And uh, it saved me. I I got through the run on time. I made it with the cut. You have a cutoff. And I made the cutoff easily. And uh, I got my medal. (laughs) And that, that, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, That was a tough one, though. But um uh, the other one was I was I wanted a PR in New York, and I was a little behind this fortunately is the New York marathon New York Marathon fortunately, I had actually held back a lot of miles, so I had a lot of glycogen left and I knew that if I had enough glycogen left or most of it left because you recycle blood sugar and the glycogen, right. So you're getting more of this stuff, even though you're using it. If you're not using it at a high enough level, so you deplete it, you still have a lot of it. You take in gels, you get more, right? So I knew we have, we human beings, have about 80 to 90 minutes of glycogen at about a 10K pace, roughly, before we burn out and hit the wall. So I had about 80 minutes left at mile 17 and a half of the New York Marathon and I took off at the best run I've ever had in my life the fastest 10k I've ever done in a Marwell and a portion of a marathon and I ended up with my PR and that was just a great run I'll never forget that running through Central Park and all that in the fall and it's beautiful and people were I, I, it was just a great run
0: performing um, right? you were performing, performing towards the end in Central Park
1: I absolutely was it was probably the best performance of any marathon I've ever had and and a PR
0: so yeah so did you try to replicate that in other races
1: totally and failed miserably
0: (laughs) (laughs) just didn't work out for you
1: Um, well you know I had had you know volume of training is huge almost everything you know Um, The greater the volume you have of all of these things, you know, short and fast, long and slow, the greater the volume you do in general, um, the better you're at. I mean, pro athletes will train like, you know, 140, 100 plus miles in a week, you know, at peak before they go to a race, you know, and then they taper down and do the race. Well, I think I have I, I know, I had more training, more volume before that race than any race in my life. And, and yeah, it paid off. <laughs> funny,
0: yeah. Funny how that works. <laughs>
1: yeah, funny how that works, that training thing. Uh, so, but,
0: yeah. I know you were instrumental with the SBRC club. Mm. That's interesting to me. We interviewed Michael not too long ago.
1: And, oh, sure. Uh, Great guy.
0: He did mention yeah. you um i just thought it was interesting we have a lot of guests come on from the sbrc we'll bring some other guests on from other clubs in different areas but i thought it'd be interesting to hear your perspective on how you were able to help get that going and what that was like
1: oh well that's <laughs> that's kind of a long uh, interesting story um i had a friend of mine um barry Morrell, who who um he and another woman uh, who was, they were both leggers, and they lived in the South Bay. And they were traveling up to Santa Monica to do their long runs and stuff. And I was talking about, I had tried to turn the Griffith Park group and start another group in the South Bay in this park where they now meet in, in um, I can't think of ben, the name ben. of the park. It was a valley park every Sunday they meet in Valley Park. So we had met there in Valley Park. Unfortunately, I couldn't be in two places at the same time because we were trying to do both on Saturday and it wasn't quite working out. So I dropped the South Bay thing and I told them about Valley Park. So we met at Valley Park and then um, Mark Minicello jumped on board and we started Sunday morning runs and he was there like every Sunday morning, still is, And he and then um, Michael, that you mentioned, who's now president of the board, the the two of them have really, and Barry, have really grown it to what it is today. And, uh, you know, I I can't say I I, I try and coach at track every Tuesday night. Um, I help out. But those guys have really, you know, had the, the foresight and the ability to make it what it is today. You know, they have like 350 plus members something like that almost 400 members something like that so yeah that's that's how it really grew is them
0: yeah it's pretty cool to hear how something like that started like we've been out a number of times with with their group and oh yeah it's enjoyable to meet the community and there's so many great people i don't know if it's i'm i'm new to a running community so i don't know if it's runners in general, that they're just uh-huh. seem like great people, or it's uh-huh. just this yeah. specific area and group, but we've met so many awesome people already, and we're, we're brand new, so
1: it's right. pretty cool. You know what I think it is? It's interesting. We runners generate wonderful drugs. I, it's true, neurologically speaking, and I think neurology is the future of endurance athletics. Um, if you were to go to a yoga class, And you know that feeling of peace and serenity, and you feel like, God, I'm happy, and that's serotonin. And we runners, that when we are running slowly and together and chatting and whatever, we generate from that exercise serotonin. So runners have this volume of serotonin that no one else really has, so that's why we tend to be happy most of the time. (laughs) you know. we generate a lot of great drugs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's great. That's I mean, that's a great way to think about it because you hear about the serotonin levels and the endorphins flowing when you're working out or exercising. But I, that <laughs> makes so much sense because I have yet to run into a mean or angry runner that just <laughs> doesn't want to be there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, they, they are out there I've, I've encountered them one or two but yeah no they, it's few and far between
0: that's yeah
1: so, and then of course we, we, we generate when we're running fast often or even at the end of a longer run sometimes you generate a lot of dopamine and that that it, um, influences your pleasure centers that's what's called the runner's high and so hey we're doing good on drugs <laughs> feeling <laughs> so, good
0: self-medicating yeah.
1: yeah and it's free
0: you know so you you did mention briefly the nutrition aspect of running long distances is that something that you pay attention to on a regular basis if it is I'd love to know maybe your philosophy or what you look to when you're not running all the way up to when you're training for a race Mm.
1: well oh yeah it's huge in fact, you know, so many people make the mistake and burn out on a marathon because they haven't calculated their nutrition. And, you know, for most, I would say, nutrition is the failure point, you know, what they need to continue consider. The average person, man, woman, the average height person, build person, excuse me, Um it utilizes about a hundred calories per hour. Of of, of hundred calories per hour, that's that's a lot of calories. So that's like twenty six hundred plus calories on a marathon for the average person. Now the average person probably doesn't even eat that in a day. So you know you think about it, like maybe a four hour marathon. If you were to sit at your desk for four hours at work. You'd probably be hungry at the end of that four hours. And you're talking about a person who's generating 100 calories per hour on the average person. You know, big, strong, you know, bodybuilder guys could could utilize maybe 200 plus calories. That's why if you see a big muscle-bound football player, you know, they could just beat me to a pulp. (laughs) But if I could outrun them 200 meters, they're toast, you know. They use so many more calories than I do, um, and I use uh, probably about 100 calories. I weigh about 150 pounds, 100 calories a mile, um, but you need to take in calories, and a lot of them. Uh, the most a human being can take in is 66 gr- kilograms of carbohydrate, 66 And that comes out to, I want to say, I forgot the exact number, but it's about 250 uh, calories uh, um, an hour, an hour. So that's a fair amount. That's that's a fair amount you can take in. You're capable of consuming. Um, Most people don't do that. Uh, a lot of people have stomach issues I'd say like five percent of the the runners I've encountered have real serious dietary they can't they have real problems taking in anything on a marathon they'll find something eventually in fact I was talking to a woman this morning about it Um, but eventually they'll trial and error they'll find something uh, that will work for them that they can take in some calories in carbohydrate form Um, but you also need minerals, um, you know, you don't want to burn out too much in the way of calories without taking more in, right? Or you, you know, 100 calories an hour, that's, you know, excuse me, 100 calories a mile, that's, that's a lot of calories. So um, the other thing though is on a hot day, you need to take in sodium and certain what we call electrolytes. And those are minerals, specifically minerals, that your neurological system uses to function. Um, So sodium is the biggest. And if you don't have enough sodium, I I, I don't want to describe this, but um, there are people at a finish line that will, shall we say, expel water at the finish line. (laughs) And it's all water. And what is happening is they're at a point where, yes, they're probably horribly dehydrated, but because their sodium is so low, they're at a point they cannot absorb hydration. Can you imagine that? Hot, sunny day. It's called hyponatremia. Hot, sunny day. You cannot absorb hydration because you don't have enough sodium. And whatever you take in is you're kind of rubbing your stomach. Your stomach wants to get rid of it if you can imagine what that means. I won't explain it. <laughs> but uh, that's a real scary place to be, and there are a lot of marathoners who are in that place um, where they feel kind of nauseous, they don't feel thirsty, and they know they're thirsty, or they should be, and they're not feeling thirsty. Um, that's a scary place to be. Dehydrated, and you can't absorb water.
0: So, okay, when Somebody, you're looking... To run these long distances, are you trying to replace your 100 calories per mile while you're running?
1: Not entirely, maybe half, you know, um, if you could get in like uh, even a, a third of the calories that you burn up. So on 2,600 calories, what is that? If you could take in like, you know, even 800, a 1,000 calories, um, the more you can consume, the better. So, um, from gels, anything you can do.
0: So what's happening to these individuals that aren't able to consume anything mm-hmm. on a marathon or half marathon, whatever you, sorry, I don't remember exactly what you said, but how are they able to...
1: Yeah, marathon, yeah. Uh, great great question. After about 80-90 minutes they will find that they're slowing down and slowing down and slowing down. Um, I remember this big macho guy, we were running with the Roadrunners and he, he was running in a group ahead and and um, they'll hit the wall. They'll run out of carbohydrates. And this guy had done that. Big, tough guy, covered with tattoos, near tears. And I, I said, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> and I said, what happened? He said, I just can't do this. I can't go any farther. I, I'm not a marathoner. I, don't. I said, you know, if you slow down in the next group your, your heart rate will be a little lower. You'll be consuming a little less carbohydrate. And if you take in from a gel or other form of carbohydrate, fruit is great if you can consume it, if you can stomach it. Um, you'll, you'll do great. You'll finish the marathon. And he said, really? And, yeah, he, he did. He ended up just slowing it down and he did a marathon. He was a strong runner. Awesome. But he didn't know. He, was, he just kept hitting that wall and hitting that wall.
0: Just like and the sign said.
1: Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> You're about to enter the wall.
0: <laughs> still gives yeah. you nightmares.
1: I, yeah, oh yeah. I, I still think about that sign as well. They do not ever have that again, mind you. I should tell you.
0: (laughs) Someone else took over and realized it wasn't the best idea.
1: (laughs) No, no, not a good idea at all.
0: (laughs) David, I feel like I could talk to you for an hour. Um, We should wrap things up here. Is there anything that we missed in the interview that you wanted to share, or any message for our audience?
1: God, I'm just looking at 42 minutes. What flew? I I just (laughs) saw what we're. Yeah, actually. Um, I just saw a video the other day, and someone who, who came in second place at, at Kona Ironman, two years in a row, and um, she said, you know, she told a story where she was, God, what the heck is her name? I can't even think of her name all of a sudden, it just went right out of my head. But she said that when she was younger, she wanted to uh, be, compete in the Olympics as a swimmer. And she took everything really, really serious, every arm stroke and the amount of strokes across the pool and times and flip turns. Everything was so serious. And she didn't quite make it. And her life was shattered. Her whole life was centered around the Olympics and everything involved. Well, she got into triathlon just to do something for fun because she had this regimented endurance life, you know, since she was a kid. And she got into it as, like, you know, 20-year-old, 18, 19, just for kicks. And now she's one of the top endurance athletes in the world. And she said, she said, you know, you just can't take it so seriously. And the other thing she said is you need to have fun. And first introduction to my book, I have two rules. And they are this I will leave you with. Rule number one, you need to have fun. And rule number two, if you're not having fun, if you're not living up to rule number one, you need to fix something so you're having fun. And that's the, the key to success. I
0: love that. I love that. That's a great uh, way to end the show, David. That, that was fantastic. That was the quickest interview I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think mine too, yeah. That was awesome. Thanks, David, so much. I appreciate you coming on and joining us for Transformations Through Running.
1: Thank you for your interest. I appreciate it.
0: All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Transformations Through Running. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and sticking around till the end. I told you. <laughs> I told you that was a good interview. I hope you enjoyed it. David was an absolute fantastic guest, so... I'm sure you got something out of that. If you want to check out more details about the show, we're at trueformlife.com slash transformations through running. We're always looking for interesting guests. So if you have anyone in mind, shoot us a message and we would be happy to interview them. We are going to be on social media. You can find us all over social media, actually. Mainly on Facebook and Twitter, or sorry, Facebook and Instagram at this point in time. Facebook.com slash trueformlife. We'd love it if you'd follow us along there. We also have lifestyle tips, nutrition tips, fitness tips to help you stay on track and get you going in the right direction, especially with our detox coming up here. This whole month is going to be all about detoxing properly, getting your digestion back on track, increasing those energy levels. So if you need any help, we can definitely get you going in the right direction. We're also on Instagram, instagram.com slash Drew Taddea, and we love to connect there. If you'd like to follow us, if you'd like to check out our stories, our posts, we're always talking about how to naturally improve your health. We've got all kinds of interesting interesting things going on. We also have giveaways and contests as well, specifically for this show. So if you'd like, we gave away a pair of shoes, a pair of socks, a really cool pair of running shoes, actually. So we got more of that stuff coming up in the future. So if you'd like to follow us at any of those platforms, you can find out more details about what we have going on there. And then don't forget about our Detox, Detoxify Yourself book. If that interests you, that's on Amazon, and it's also on trueformlife.com. And then we have our detox program as well. So if you're interested, shoot us a message and we will set you up with more details. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Hope to catch you on the next show.